Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover 3 College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24-7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. That's Cover3Podcast. And leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. All right. Class is in session. Hey guys, welcome back into the Cover 3 Podcast Summer School Series. I'm Bud Elliott, and today we're going to go down to Texas and talk a little TCU. That's right, we're bringing on Jeremy Clark of HornFrogBlitz.com. Jeremy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. It's going to be fun. No doubt about it. And uh, speaking of fun, could be a pretty fun year there in Fort Worth. Uh, last year's team, 80th in a lot of the power ratings. You know, I kind of pulled an average, somewhere between like 70th and 85th, which is you know, sort of disappointing for a team that had you know some expectations last year and uh, out is Gary Patterson and in is is Sonny Dyke so I guess I'll start by uh, taking the temperature of the fan base with you are, is everybody are they excited are they like the hire what, what are they feeling so far I, I would think if you ask the fan base on a scale from about one to ten they'd probably give it a nine so far just based on everything that he's doing differently from what coach Patterson did I think as far as Media, you can also say the same thing. There's just been so much access that's been given. Um, the social media uh, platform has been basically a daily thing for TCU football. Uh, the Again, the media access, having access to every spring camp practice was huge. Gave us an idea. Sonny Docks is like, if you want to come, you're, you're welcome to get out there. I don't care who goes out there, whether it's fans, whether it's media. Um, there was there was a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, and I've been around the program for 17 years, and I can just tell you right now, a lot of players I talked to, ex-players and current players, just said, "Man, this is just different. It's just different." And and if you look at all those things, it, it's it's a it's kind of a breath of fresh air is, a, is the term a lot of people have told me. Um, been it's all gonna it's all gonna depend on how fall goes with wins and losses. Everything is a lot of sunshine and everything right now, but it's still going to matter what happens in the win column come the fall. It's all fun and games. So you got to actually play the games and uh, offense last year was, you know, typically under Gary Patterson had usually been defense better, but in the last couple of years, not, not always the case last year, I had the offense as the better unit, but still not a, not a great unit. And I, I want to start here. Uh, are you figuring more up tempo this year with, with Sonny Dykes? Yeah, I think so. If you look at if you look at last year, it really became a point where their defense was playing so bad. And I'll just I'll just be frank with you, that was probably the worst defense I've seen them have in in the Gary Patterson era. Um, you got to compare that. Just looking back, two thousand four was probably the only other year that was really comparable to last year. But I think with the way their defense was struggling, they wanted to keep their offense on the field as long as they could. So you didn't really have an up-tempo offense. And really, there was a lot of critics that were kind of kind of getting mad. There were so many frustrated things about uh, the team last year. And one of the things was, is like Max Duggan 
played better when they went faster, when they went more up tempo. And you just didn't see a lot of that. They wanted to run the football, a lot of play action. And, and a lot of that was just predicated by how bad the defense was. And uh, I think this year you're going to see a lot more up tempo, a lot more uh, air raid football. And that's funny that you mentioned the offense because we, we interviewed Doug Meacham, uh, who's still on staff and was the offense coordinator last year. And he straight up told us, during spring camp, hey, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify last year's air raid offense. And this year, they're going to look to throw the ball more, get the tight ends involved a little bit more, and 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 try to air it out. And they're all really excited about that. What what what's in store for them this season? So you, you mentioned Max Duggan. It first of all, I've always been a huge fan of his potential, given that he was a four sport guy out of Iowa. I thought he was, you know, one of those dudes. I covered James Winston as a recruit, right? I remember it okay. Like if he ever focused on football and dropped the baseball, maybe there's an extra level he could unlock and, and, you know, obviously Duggan didn't get to play a lot of seven on being that he was a four sport guy and well, they don't really play a whole lot of seven on in Iowa. It was mm -hmm. Iowa, right. Or Indiana, somewhere in the Midwest. I remember Iowa. Yeah. Um, is he going to be the guy? Cause I know they have Chandler Morris as well. <laughs> that's a, that's the big question I've been asked all, all off season, but I mean, I'll just tell you based on spring camp, if there was a equal amount of reps at the court, the Garrett Riley and Sonny Docks gave the quarterbacks, it was split right down the middle. I mean, if you're just a fan or just media going out to watch spring camp, there's no way you can determine that's the guy. That's the guy. Because there were some practices where Max looked better. There were some practices Chandler looked better. And I think that, you know, you're, you're looking at in today's era of college football, transfer portal, and some cynics are saying, well, Sonny didn't want to name a starter because he didn't want to lose one of them. But I honestly think that this battle was so tight that there was no starter – uh, that kind of put themselves in front of one another. So this battle is going to go to the fall. Each quarterback, Max, has great qualities about him. There's still a lot of TCU fans. They're, they're living in the mad scientist world of Gary Patterson still where you had a quarterback that may not be a great thrower, but, man, he could play safety or he could be a great slot receiver. And a lot of TCU fans look at that that way because Max has great athleticism. He's a really fast quarterback. And people kind of envision, man, what would it look like if he was a safety or if he was a receiver? He could be a, a great guy that can move the chains. But I, I'll just be straight up with you. I don't think the, the battle is going to be really named um, until about two weeks before that opening game at Colorado. If you had to make a friendly bet with another member of the media, is there a guy that you think will win? Well, and I and I hate to say it because I, I love both quarterbacks, but just, just looking based off – what my evaluation was through spring camp and what I saw last year in that game against Baylor, I think Chandler has a little bit more of an upside than what Max has. If you look at the accuracy, he's a little bit more accurate. Max was inconsistent last year, and he's really been inconsistent throughout his whole career. I mean, there's games where Max looks like a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, and then there's games like – wow, this this guy probably shouldn't be starting right now. And he'll be the first to admit he had a bad game, and he he owns that stuff. He owns every bit of his his bad performances. But I, I feel, based on what I've seen through through spring camp and what I saw a little bit, just a little portion of last year, I really feel that Chandler runs the offense just a little bit better. But they've got two good quarterbacks. And the one thing that always stands out to me from conversations with Sonny Dykes is he always tells us, he doesn't have to be the biggest quarterback. He doesn't have to be the fastest. He doesn't have to be have he doesn't have to have the strongest arm. He's just got to be the most consistent. And I think right now Chandler's probably got a little bit more consistency about him. No doubt about it. Um I took Quentin Johnson, I think, in our, our receiver draft that we did yesterday. I feel like he's a guy, if he stays healthy, 
very likely to become a superstar that you know kind of explodes on the national stage. I, our, our listeners have already heard about that. So unless I'm wrong, I, I'd like to ask you about the other pass catchers on this team. How do you feel about weapons, you know, two, three, and four? Well, first off, that was a great pick by you. And you're gonna be you're gonna be glad that you had that because you talk about Quentin Johnson around the program. It's kind of a foregone conclusion. If he has a good year this year, he's gonna be on the radar of all those NFL teams. So Good pick there, bud. But I, I would say the other two or three guys, they still got Darius Davis back. He's an electric player. He's a guy that had 100, and, I believe, 70 yards against Oklahoma State a uh, year before last. Um, Tay Barber. Tay Barber feels like he's been there for seven years. He's He he used that COVID year. Is coming back for a fifth season. George Quarius Spivey is a kid that I would tell fans to look out for. As I mentioned earlier, they're going to use the H. He's more of an H tied in. He's not really a, a put your hand on the ground tied in weapon. He's going to line up in the slot. He's a six six kid, about two forty five, and he can run. He had a really good spring. The coaches were very high on him, and he's a kid that I feel like could probably get thirty to forty targets this year, maybe even more, and and just really become part of that offense. But at the Z position, there's two kids that have really battled it out and I still don't know who's going to start it's going to be an interesting fall but Quincy Brown a true sophomore he was a, a top receiver target out of the 2020 class and Savion Williams both those guys Quincy's 6'4 and Savion is 6'5 so you've got Quentin at 6'4 at X they moved him from Z over to X and you've got another 6'4 6'5 depending on who starts is, is going to get that starting Z spot but the, the surprise out of camp this this spring, and I love this story, was Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson is all of about 5'7", probably about 175 pounds. And I remember going to these camps back when he was coming out of McAllen, Texas, going to these Under Armour camps or Nike camps and seeing this kid run by these highly ranked three- and four-star corners, but no one would ever take a chance on him because he was 5'7", and, and he was, he's got decent speed, but no one really took a chance on him. He's walked on at TCU excelled and those coaches love him those coaches love him he is by far the most consistent kid out of uh, the receiving core in spring camp had the most catches in the spring game had about 90 yards receiving in the spring game so he's another kid that they didn't really know what to expect but they're eyeing him as the being the guy hey it's third and ten gunner's probably going to be getting the ball and a lot of people are going to be talking about gunner i think this year no doubt about it uh, offensive line does lose three out of the top four by snap count, maybe not by by talent. It, am I right to be worried about that group? Well, I, I feel like it, they, they've got to replace Obina Eze. He was a, you know, great, great NFL or NFL type tackle, big guy, um, got a lot of starts in his, uh, in his career, obviously played most of his career at Memphis and just one year at TCU, but they replace him with, with some, some big guys. I mean, Marcus Williams, Comes in at 6'7", 320. Andrew Coker's another guy that can slide over from right tackle to left tackle. But they have a lot of – tackle's the one position I'm kind of concerned with, but the interior of the offensive line with Alon Alley, uh, you've got Wes Harris coming back, you've got Steve Avila. Steve Avila has been around TCU for so long. There's about six or seven guys right now that they feel pretty comfortable with that are kind oh, of – Oh, Avila's back? Oh, yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, pro football focus first team all Big Twelve. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so he's, is that uh, a super senior year for him? I assume. Uh, this yes, that that is correct. So he's that's why we do these summer school, man. That is really yeah. really good to know. Awesome. Yeah, he's 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 really the 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 key to that offensive line. Him and 
him and uh, Ollie are really experienced guys, and they kind of they kind of battled it out. It was, it was funny watching them. Uh, AJ Rickard, the new offensive line coach, kind of interchanged just to see what parts worked best, and and really you've got Ollie and Avila that could play center or guard. And either one of them are going to be starting at center guard, in my opinion. But the interior of the offensive line is extremely experienced, and I think that's going to help them. They looked good this spring, and that was pretty much a, a bright spot for Sonny Docks. He always commented on how well the offensive line was looking. And if you if you watched them in spring ball as much as I did, they they were really consistently open up run, the running lanes and, and giving each of the quarterbacks plenty of time to get the ball off. So the, this defense last year was uh, just embarrassing. I mean, I, I I had it as the worst defense in the Big Twelve, non Kansas, you know, category. Um, I mean, Jeremy, there there one there wasn't really anything they did particularly well. I is it was it coaching talent? I mean, almost has to be a mixture, I, I assume. It, and yet, I look at who they lose. I mean, they they lose some guys that I've heard of before, especially you know Oshawn Mathis, who you know, pretty high draft pick. Uh, can this unit be better? And if so, how? Well, it, it's it's crazy when you get a coaching change, how things kind of change. And I mentioned earlier that it just looked like players were having fun. And I, I think the reason why the defense was the way it was last year was kind of a mixture of things. Um, not a not a, a, a ton of uh, want to, I guess you could say, is the best best way I could say it. And Some quit factor maybe? Yeah. Times. Yeah, absolutely. So – that's going to be a good question. I, I will say this, uh, Joe Gillespie, he looks like a guy that anyone would want to play for. He's he's a guy that the players just spoke volumes about. They loved learning under him. And the linebacker play this spring was really, really impressive. And one guy I'll, I'll mention in particular, D. Winters. D. Winters really, and I love this kid, but he really didn't have a good year last year in 2021. And not the year that a lot of, a lot of us media expected him to have. And D winners was probably the best defensive player in the entire spring camp. He, he just really had a, a, a great time. And that, that new scheme, the three, three, five that they're utilizing, they're, they're going to look, it's, it's not, it, people are going to have to get used to the new TCU defense. Cause everyone's so used to seeing that four man front, the two linebackers, them getting after the quarterback. And that's something they didn't do last year as the defense was get after the quarterback that I believe they were, next to last in the Big 12 in sacks. And that's just unheard of for a Gary Patterson defense. But their defensive line is going to look much different this year. They're, they're At nose, they're going to try to go 320 to 325 pounds. Their ends are going to be basically like Iowa State. It's going to be basically like watching Iowa State, except the uniforms are going to be purple and white. So and, they're playing three down tight front stuff. Exactly. Okay. So that's, that's going to kind of be the mentality. They're going to have linebackers that – some guys are going to fill the gaps. Some guys are just going to run all over the field, and that's kind of what D. Winters did. And uh, there's there's some player when you have a team that was bad last year, and you have a lot of that experience returning. You think, okay, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? When they learn a new scheme and when they're having fun doing it, and they seem like they're they're coachable and just having a good time out there, just playing and feeding off one another, they're flying to the ball, they're making plays, and that's what we saw all spring. Now there was times where the offense got the better of them, and we may we may need to see two or three games before the defense really shows us what they are. But defensive line, they lost O'Shawn Mathis, but they returned Dylan Horton. Dylan Horton, in some cases, was better than O'Shawn Mathis last year. 
Uh, linebacker, you got D. Winters, Jamoy Hodge, uh, Johnny Hodges, transfer in from Navy, had a tremendous spring. And Marcel Brooks, Marcel Brooks, the name that not a oh. lot of people talk about. That <laughs> dude is a – he is violent. Well, you talk – you just talk about the differences when having a new face come in and, and a coach. And Marcel was kind of like – he was in – I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, football was not his thing for two years after transferring from LSU. They tried him on defense, didn't work, put him on offense, really didn't work. And then Gillespie comes in and says, I think you could play defense. He went from 180 to 210 under Coach Cause. That strength coach is the biggest reason why TCU is going to look so much different this year physically and, and just everything else they do. But he weighs 210. Marcel, other than D. Winters, probably had – one of the best springs that, that we all saw as media. And he's just he just having fun, making plays, showing why he was considered a five-star athlete out of high school. He's just he's just making plays that we all have been waiting to see. But they they have arguably two of the best corners in the Big 12 with Trey Tomlinson and Noah Daniels. And Mark Perry, that, that's the good thing about – we always hear about Sonny Docks and the transfer portal, the, their success at SMU. They've done a tremendous job getting some of these players through the transfer portal. And probably the best one they've got is a guy that really we didn't have uh, ranked real high as Mark Perry out of Colorado. That kid has come in. And if I would have known better, I'd have said, man, this kid looks like he's been at TCU for three or four years. Come in, adapt to the defense, and and looks like a TCU safety that you would see, like a Trayvon Morig. It, it just, he just is good, got good size, has good speed, and just extremely smart at free safety. So, they have the pieces, bud. I don't know if it's going to result in them being so much better, but you can't get much worse from what they were last year. So, if I were to say six or seven wins, does that feel off? Uh, I'm, I'm going to get hammered for this because I've said on my message boards that I feel like six and six is the floor, and eight and I have a feeling like eight and four is the ceiling. Okay. The Big 12, you can steal a few wins here or there. You can lose a few games here and there. So I kind of feel like that, and and that's not to disparage the players or the coaches because I feel like they can, like I said, the Big 12 is so wide open this year that I feel like they can they can win some of these games. Um, but also look at them starting from, from scratch. They're not only getting a, a, a new – uh, offensive coordinator. They're, they're getting an entire new staff. They're they're going to an entirely new scheme on offense, entirely different sc scheme on defense. And what was everyone saying about Texas last year? Everyone was predicting Sark was going to have this great year. And in some of those games, they were playing extremely well, and then they didn't finish it off in the fourth quarter. And uh, a program that many felt could win eight or nine games ends up five and seven. And, and that's what you don't want to see with TCU this year. Hopefully – um, they find a way to finish games, and but I feel like a six and six and eight and four uh, season is ahead of them. Which, if you look at the past four or five years for TCU, that is a, is a record that TCU fans should be very very happy for. For sure. What, one thing I do a lot like, like about this TCU schedule is that in the Big Twelve, when you're handicapping, you always got to pay attention to first of all, is it a five home game a year or a four home game a year? And for this, it, it's a five, right? Yeah. And TCU is an interesting one because when TCU plays the five home games, one of their road games is Kansas, which I'm not saying you can't lose to Kansas, but for the most part, that's kind of a layup uh, mm -hmm. as long as you're just a, a decent team. And I mean, that means you're, you're, you're only three other road games in conference, West Virginia, which 
later in the year. I mean, who knows what they'll be at Texas again, don't really know what they'll be. And at Baylor, I mean, I think we trust that Baylor will be at least decent. Uh, and I, I kind of like this team a little bit. I feel like even though, you know, the average number of wins, if I was to run, it comes out to like, you know, 6.8. I, I feel like there is some upside here. Maybe if, if things go their way, especially if one of those quarterbacks were to hit. Right. Absolutely. And in, in, the schedule, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they they get Oklahoma at home. They get Oklahoma State at home. They get Iowa State at home. And uh, traveling to Baylor is an, an hour away from Fort Worth. So they're, they're going to have good fan support. And, and, and obviously, you mentioned Kansas as well. And then Kansas does pull off some – and they've beaten TCU up in Lawrence before. But um, I feel like this TCU team won't go into Lawrence and and, and overlook those guys. But, yeah, the, the schedule sets up perfect for them. And – They've absolutely had no problem winning on the road at Texas. If, if they get a few bounces here and there, I mean, it, it, it's like I said, but it's a it's a team that we could very well be seeing them be six and six, or we can look up and rub our eyes and look at them being nine and two at some point in the season and, and playing uh, for a chance to play in the Big Twelve Championship. Now, I'm not putting those expectations on them, but with the way the big, I just keep going back to it, the way the Big Twelve is so wide open this year, I, I really feel like they may have that opportunity. I mean, a, a three or maybe four, I doubt the four, but a three-loss team can certainly make the Big 12 title game uh, in, in, in a year like this. Jeremy, I really appreciate the time. It's been, been super informative. I feel like I learned a whole lot more about TCU. Jeremy Clark, hornfrogblitz.com is the place to go, the best site on the internet for any kind of TCU coverage you might need. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on, bud. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Hey guys, I'm Bud Elliott, and welcome back to another edition of the Cover 3 Podcast Summer School Series. And today, we're heading down to Texas, and we're going to talk to Jarrett Johnson of InsideTheRedRaiders.com. That is the leading source on the internet for all your Texas Tech coverage. Uh, Jarrett, welcome to Summer School, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Bud, man. It's uh... Really exciting to be on this. This is a, a great podcast y'all do. No doubt about it. We're, we're learning a lot about all, all the teams here this summer. And uh, you know, Texas Tech was an interesting team for me last year. I, I, I bet the over on their win total, uh, and that cashed. And they they fired their head coach and got a new coach. Oh. And I got to tell you, Jared, that that doesn't happen often. Like teams don't usually exceed the Vegas expectation 
and then also make a coaching change. But they they had a chance to go get Joey McGuire, and, and they 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 felt that was that was the direction needed to go. Yeah, you know, I, the thing is, is people want to say, okay, this coach did a bad job, but it's not always that simple, right? I mean, uh, the previous coaching staff did a great job of rebuilding the roster, which was really in disarray uh, from the previous regime. But then there were some in-game mistakes that uh, just were really hard to defend, and things kind of snowballed. And then Texas Tech had an opportunity to go out, like you said, and get, and get a Joey McGuire, who I've been saying even – Back before with the previous uh, coaching search that McGuire is a star. Uh, his connections within the high school ranks in Texas are as good as it gets, as good as you could ask for. Uh, and he gets Texas Tech. I, I believe they got it right this time. I think the recruiting rankings are kind of showing that early on. We'll have to see how he does uh, in his first season coming up. But, uh, yeah, it was a very interesting season all the way around. And like you said, um, I think they exceeded – most uh, expectations with the big win over Iowa State late and then uh, by crushing Mississippi State in the bowl game. No doubt about it. So uh, Joey McGuire inherits a a fairly good offense uh, from last year and brings in a cover three podcast favorite uh, in Zach Kitley to be his OC, who was at Western Kentucky. Uh, uh, Helton made the nice hire last year at WKU, and they almost uh, won their league. Before you know, Kitley, who runs that, uh, it's pretty up tempo, chucking around air raid. Uh, are, are you expecting this offense to be even faster than what Tech ran last year? Because they certainly weren't slow. Yeah, they slowed down some last year from what they wanted to do uh, originally when the coaching staff was brought in. But I mean, most, especially in the Big Twelve, most of the teams are running something similar. But I think what we're seeing in college football in general, and certainly in the Big Twelve, is Yes, you want to go fast. Yes, we're going to spread. Yes, we're going to throw the ball around. But you have to have some power run element to your to your team to give your defense a rest, to ice games uh, when you have the opportunity, uh, and to impose your will. I think that's really coming back around. Football is cyclical. And uh, Texas Tech has a pretty good backfield coming back with Sir Roger Thompson and Taj Brooks and some younger guys coming up through the program. So – that's one of the big questions like throughout spring posed to coach Joy McGuire and Zach Kelly was, are you going to still try and run the ball? And they've said all the right things in terms of what the fans want to hear. Yes. We want to utilize these backs. Um, if we're able to do that with our offensive line, that's what we're going to do when, when the, the opportunity presents itself. But uh, you know, with these air raid offenses, whether it be Mike Leach uh, Cliff Kingsbury and now Zach Kidley, and they all have their own variations. Don't get me wrong, but it's one of those where I'll believe it when I see it in terms of uh, sticking with a run or being able to uh, cultivate a power running element to that style of offense. No doubt about it. At, at quarterback, at, at, this is one of the reasons we do summer school because you know, we're, we're checking to make sure the rosters are still accurate. They still have Tyler Show and they still have Donovan Smith, correct? Yeah. Tyler Shuck, Dominic Smith, and then there's a young guy, Baron Morton, who had the best spring game uh, of all the three. He's one of the highest rated guys that Tex signed in the modern recruiting era. Uh, era. And they've, they're in the midst still. They didn't announce anything through uh, spring ball, but they're in the midst of a legitimate uh, quarterback battle. And the first one, this is my, this will be my ninth or tenth season covering Texas Tech for uh, exclusively uh, for either Scout or 24 7. And uh, 
this is the first legit one. I mean, they had one between Patrick Mahomes and Mahomes and Davis Webb, and I was like, that's not mm. it's Mahomes, you know. Yeah. And, and they've had some other ones where they say there's a quarterback battle, but this is a legit quarterback battle because all three guys do similar things, but bring their own wrinkle to the offense and their own strengths. And they're all honestly, they're all good. Texas Tech can win with all three of these quarterbacks. And certainly with, with the transfer deadline having passed, all, all three guys have to think at least that they have a real shot at this. Uh, is there somebody in your mind that, that you would give the nod to? Or I mean, obviously not a slam dunk necessarily if it's a three-man race, but is there somebody you think all right, most likely this would be the guy if you had to put some money on it? Yeah, Tyler Shuck had a really good spring. Um, he's probably the most experienced out of the three. Donovan Smith got a lot of experience last year and won that bowl game against Mississippi State. He's 6'5", 240 at this point and has a really good arm. Could, all three of them could throw on the run. But I think Tyler Shuck, I mean, he has all the tangibles. He's also, you know, in terms of beyond the tangibles, he's a great leader, all those things. Um he, you know, he did some things for Oregon that were good. He did some things early in the season last year for Tech, excuse me, before he got hurt. So, and he had a good spring. So I think if I had to say, Chuck would be the guy uh, to start at least opening day. And at, at, at the very least, they have depth. Um, so this yes. team took quite a number of transfers. Uh, who are the transfers that you feel will have the greatest impact that college ball fans out there uh, need to know about? Yeah, linebacker Dimitri Moore, he actually played for Coach McGuire way back in the day at Cedar Hill there in the Metroplex uh, in high school. I saw him play some when I was at the four-star telegram covering high school ball. Uh, he He's a very talented linebacker who was an all-SEC freshman player, um, led Vanderbilt uh, coming out of high school in tackles his sophomore year. Then he had some off-the-field adversity, uh, lost his grandfather, had a couple of injuries, hamstring injuries, really hold him back. Transferred to uh, Missouri State, had an okay season. But I know this guy has the potential. I know he's hungry. I think he's going to start. Well, he is, more than likely, unless he's hurt or something. He's going to start uh, next to Krishan Merriweather, a returning veteran at inside linebacker. And I think Demetri Moore will either lead the team in tackles or be right up there second or third. So he's really good. Uh, Cole Spencer is an offensive lineman. Uh, he played tackle at Western Kentucky. For Zach Kidley, he was an all-conference USA uh, performer. I expect him to start at right guard, and that's a position of need. If there's a position of need at Texas Tech, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but uh, it's offensive line, and uh, Cole Spencer is, is expected to step in there and, and be a good player for them at right guard. And their, their offensive line last year was okay, if I recall, right? Like maybe not amazing, but not – That's a good description, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. Okay. Uh, should they are, are you projecting improvement this year or just status quo or are they trying to avoid a backslide what, what's kind of your read there they have good numbers they don't have a lot of proven guys they have caleb rogers who started a lot of games mostly at right tackle playing left tackle he's a leader on the team a captain good player a western right is uh, slotted at left guard next to him he started uh, for two seasons at guard a couple of spots very big dude, very uh, good in the running game, not a liability uh, as a pass protector. Either. So you feel really good about those two spots. But the replacing Dawson Deaton, who was went to the NFL, uh, he's, you know, he's in the, he was drafted, I believe, in the seventh round. Uh, he was a three-year starter at center, so that's a big hole. The guy they had started almost all spring, Clayton uh, Franks, entered the transfer portal. Uh, they brought in a two-year starter from New Mexico named Cade Briggs, who's expected to to take over the center spot. But then at right tackle, you have four or five guys 
who are fighting for it. And uh, my wild card there is Ethan Carr. He's 6'8", 315, very athletic. He's supposed to be a really good golfer, actually. He's supposed to have a heck of a swing, which I don't know how that's possible at that <laughs> size. But uh, he, he started a couple, at, at least almost like a whole season a couple years ago at left tackle. Had some growing pains, had some good games, some bad games. But I think he is somebody who can – he's healthy now. He could uh, sneak in there and take that right tackle spot despite – uh, some other guys who, who have transferred in uh, from all over the country who are, who are also vying for that right tackle spot. Nice. Uh, so I, I saw defensively uh, Tim DeRuiter uh, takes over as a defensive coordinator. He was at what, Oregon. I, I kind of know yes. him as like the Air, Air Force and A&M guy. Uh, but so yep. DeRuiter takes over. Uh, they were not the worst defense in the world last year, but certainly not a, not a team strength. I, I, I guess we we could say, uh, right up front. Like, am I wrong to be excited about like Miles Cole and Sam Carell? No, I. They have some returning guys. They have some uh, quality players. I'm not saying all conference players, but they have proven veterans who can play college football at this level, and they have depth for the first time. And I think that's really what they're keen on. Uh, and DeRuiter, I love this about DeRuiter, and I, I really loved what he's shown, what he showed throughout the spring, what he said about rotating a lot of guys in there and building depth on a true two deep, which has really been the problem as much as anything for Texas Tech. I mean, yes, talent, but just depth in general, which is what separates, you know, the best the best teams in, in, in Power 5 football. Uh, so I think they have an opportunity to do that, and especially up front. Um and there's a Jalen Hutchings at nose is, is a really good player. He was a guy who ran for almost a thousand yards as a, as a running back in high school back in the day. He's, you know, obviously he's like 300 and something pounds now, but he's very athletic at, at his size. Uh, Tony Bradford, another guy, he uh, played for a great high school football program, came in and played immediately as a freshman. Now he's been in the program for several years. Uh, very strong guy, uh, very experienced. So, yeah, you know, some of the other guys, I think the, the edge rush position has been a problem. Tech hasn't been able to create a lot of pressure on the quarterback and affect the quarterback on a consistent basis without sending the blitz. Uh, so I, some of those guys, Robert Wooden, who transferred in from Virginia Tech, Josiah Pierre, who transferred in from Florida, uh, some of those guys are going to really have to step up. And really how the defense plays might depend on if they can get that consistent pressure without having to blitz a lot. For sure. Um, Secondary-wise, you know, last year it, it, uh, consistency was was a bit of a problem. Are, are you expecting growth from this group this year, or can they just stay the same, or, or is it a, a backslide effort? What, what are you projecting there? I think this is going to be one of the better secondaries, especially at safety, um, than they've been in, in a long time. Uh, the major – Demer, let's see, Dadrian Taylor, they call him Rabbit. I'm just used to calling him Rabbit. Uh, he, he's a big part. He's quietly become one of Texas Tech's best players. He's the kind of guy that, like, even against Texas, where it seemed like Tech could get no stop, you know, couldn't stop Texas from just running down the throw. He actually came up with an interception in the end zone, made a couple of big hits. He was consistently good at safety last year and got better throughout the year. Uh, Reggie Pearson was a player who started his career at Wisconsin was one of their better players as a redshirt freshman on, I think, a team that went to the Rose Bowl. And a uh, very uh, physical player, but who's also good in coverage. He had an illness that sidetracked him, and he actually couldn't get cleared by Wisconsin's doctors, but got cleared by three independent doctors and Texas Tech doctors before he transferred in last year. Went healthy. He was really good. He was really good in the bowl game. Um, just really adds a physicality that 
maybe we haven't seen from Tech over the you know, last decade or so for most of the years. Uh, and then they have a guy, Marquise Waters, who was a standout for Duke for like three or four years. Had a really good start to last year, but uh, hurt his shoulder, missed most of the year, got that year back. And uh, he's going to play kind of a hybrid linebacker uh, safety position that we see all over college football now. And just a really good core uh, of those three guys on the field at the same time, which I think is going to clean up a lot of mistakes and uh, create a lot of turnovers for the Raiders. Awesome. Uh, so I – I leave this interview feeling pretty good about Texas Tech. Um, and then I look at this schedule, and this is not an easy start. That's uh, it. Murray State, for sure. Uh, no. that, that, that's a dub. But hosting Houston, then having to travel to NC State, which, you know, I'm an ACC guy. They're, they probably should have the best team they've had in two decades. Uh, Texas at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, and then finally a bye week or – yeah, by week. And then the second half is more manageable. Uh, that's right. a rough start. It really is. And I've, you know, how this goes. I've been trying to tell fans like there's so much excitement and rightfully so behind the Joy McGuire era. And I'm sure McGuire would, would disagree with me. But just from my vantage point, I'm trying to tell fans look, it's going to be very difficult to start. Now, as you mentioned, Murray State, I mean, if you don't win that game, what are we talking about? Uh, right. To open yeah. the season. Then you, have, then you have Houston. Uh, coming in. And look, Texas beating Houston, I think, four times in a row, that doesn't mean they're going to win this game. But uh, I've I covered all those games, and, and you could see the difference. Now, Houston's coming up to the Big 12 uh, soon, so and I'm sure they'll get a big uh, uptick in that. And, and they've had some really good years, don't get me wrong. But it just seems like some of that depth and uh, overall team talent has played out again with Tech and Houston. Now, we'll have to see. It doesn't uh, Houston could beat Tech in Lubbock, yes. But I'm not marking that down as a loss. Now, on the same, on the other hand, going to uh, NC State, I mean, that sounds very difficult this year, especially. Uh, I've never been to that stadium during a game, uh, but I hear it's a great atmosphere. As you mentioned, they're expected to have one of the better teams they've had in decades. So that that's a tough game. And then Texas, and I, Texas, from my again, from my vantage point, is always, or at least in the last decade or so has been way overrated in the preseason. Uh, so I, I don't really know how good they're going to be, I, you know, in, in terms of are they really going to be that much better than Tech, and especially in Lubbock. But Tech historically has had a hard time beating Texas, kind of like what I was just talking about with Houston in, in recent history. So uh, we'll have to – that's a tough game. Uh, Kansas State has had Tech's number. So that that's a tough game. And then Oklahoma State, Tech's actually, after a long dry spell, of Oklahoma State just handling Tech. Tech has battled uh, with Oklahoma State, upset the Cowboys yeah. a couple times when they the top 25 in the last four years. So, you know, to me, if you could somehow split or win four of those, then, I mean, look out. It's going to be a great year. But I expect them to probably split uh, those six games, go into the bye, and then, okay, you know, where are we uh, before they start the rest of the Big 12 schedule? I mean, if, if you gave this staff truth serum and said, hey, three and three, fast forward to the bye week, I think they're taking right. that and running with it. I, I mean, I would, I, I look at their, you know, their Vegas win total right now. I'm seeing mostly there's one five and mostly, you know, five and a halfs out there, which you know, suggests like kind of, you know, will they or won't they make a bowl? Uh, yeah, if they can get through that, right. if they get through that first six games, I think they can make a bowl. They just, they got to find a way to get three wins in the first six, I think. Yeah, that's the key, really. I mean, who knows? You know how the season plays out with injuries and what could happen with the teams on your schedule. But uh, 
Yeah, I really do. I agree. I think the splitting that first half of the season before you get to a bye is will probably tell the tale of the season. So we'll have to see. I, the Houston game to open the season was kind of looked at as as a huge game, and it ended up playing out that way because Tech had five wins uh, like midway through the season, but then they played four ranked teams to finish the season, and they were able to upset Iowa State with that 62-yard field goal, which got them a bowl game. And then you went in the bowl game, and all of a sudden, hey, this was a pretty good season you know, by recent Texas Tech seniors. Oh, I, I remember uh, somebody with over five and a half uh, bet last year. I was like, okay, <laughs> got the five wins, got four games left, feeling pretty good. And like, uh, okay, all right, still going to need one of these the guys. Yeah. I, I I don't feel as confident about the over. Like I, to me, I, I think they could win six games. I think if you win seven regular season games with this schedule, oh, God. then wow. Yeah. I think the best way to describe it is I think this is a better team on paper than last year but it's a much tougher schedule. It just, it is. It's a much tougher schedule than it was last year. No doubt about it. Jared Johnson, Inside the Red Raiders, the place to go inside the 24-7 Sports Network and on the whole internet for any kind of Texas Tech content that y'all want. Make sure to check them out. Really appreciate the time today. Hey, bud. Anytime, man. Appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. All right, that's the bell. Cover three college football summer school is over for today, but don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover3Podcast, and we'll see you all soon. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.